Welcome to the Gather Influence podcast. It is our great honor to welcome you into some of the most catalytic conversations happening in our nation around the female voice. My name is Vanessa Hoyes from Montreal and my co-host Kathy Ostapchuk from Toronto and I have the privilege of leading Gather Women. This movement will exist until the female voice can be heard loud and clear in every sphere of influence across our nation. So we invite you into these conversations and we pray they will mobilize you personally, you the listener, you the influencer to champion truth, challenge inequity and in turn change our nation and change our world. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Welcome to another episode of the Gather Influence podcast as we continue our conversations about voice and particularly the female voice. We're going to be diving into a real vulnerable and robust conversation today with two amazing individuals uh, from out west, Alita Friesen and Chris Price. And you'll want to listen to how they came together and actually produced a quite wonderful resource for the church called the Whole Church, a biblical case for women in leadership. And this is coming out of the church that they are both on staff at, the Way Church in BC. Let me introduce you to Alita. Alita was born and raised in the suburbs of Houston, Texas. After graduating from the University of Mobile with a bachelor's degree in communication, Alita and her family relocated to British Columbia in 2011. Her and her husband, Ryan, live in Langley with their four wild but wonderful young kids. And as a writer and Bible teacher, she has served in ministry for the last 11 years. Alita currently serves on the teaching team at The Way, which is a church plant located in the heart of Vancouver, along with Chris Price, who served as the lead pastor at Calvary Baptist in Coquitlam, BC for 10 years before moving to pursue church planting in Vancouver at The Way Church. He has a master's in Christian studies and a BA in biblical studies, and he is the author of Radical Hope, Resurrection Faith in a Hurting World. And he's co-editor of Everyday Apologetics. He's also a contributor to the UK-based Alpha Youth film series. So what makes this conversation today unique is the way that Alita and Chris came together to be compelled to write this book, The Whole Church, together. And it's I think an up and coming and valuable resource for the church in general, but also as an encouragement to female leaders when they are answering the questions for themselves, can I lead? Lean into this conversation. Hope you enjoy. Well, here we are with the Gather Influence podcast, and I'm so pleased that there are actually four of us in the room today, which will make for a really lively and robust conversation. And I'm welcoming Vanessa Hoyes, uh, my co-host for the Gather Influence podcast. And we have Chris Price and Alita Friesen coming all the way from beautiful BC to join us today. So welcome, Chris and Alita. Thank you. Thank you. So happy to be here. Oh, so happy to have you. We've heard about you in the intro, um, what you represent, where you're ministering right now, but I would love you both to introduce yourselves and just say something about yourself that we may not know or that we would love to know. So Lita, I'll have you go first. Okay. Um, so as you said, my name is Alicia Friesen, and I'm trying to think of something really amazingly interesting. I'm just realizing maybe I'm a little too boring. Um, but I, I can't remember if I told you or not that I lived 
in Houston, Texas. That's where I was raised. But then I went to college in Alabama. So I lived in Alabama for nine years. Um, and now we've been in BC for nine years. And we had three boys when we were living in the US. And then we had our daughter five years later when we moved here. So we have all these memories of being in the US with our boys. And then we added our daughter when we moved up here. It feels like we have this different set of, I don't know, family memories up here. So that's me. <laughs> that's awesome. I also went to school. I spent a lot of time in the States. I did online Bible school there. And so it's kind of neat to have that perspective as well. So we'll yeah. be interested to hear a little bit more about that from you later. And Chris, what about you? Yeah. Um, as everyone knows now, my name's Chris, uh, married to Deandra, uh, two kids, Kate and 10, Mila seven, boy and a girl. Um, one thing that you wouldn't know about me and in honor of Vanessa, uh, I received really what I think was a call to ministry while I was in Australia, Perth, Australia. So yeah. I became a believer at around 20. And then shortly thereafter, I went to Perth for two months and the Lord wow. just went to work on me. And so there you go. Well, you're in a nice part of Australia. That's for sure. It's it was very nice. <laughs> that's amazing. Uh -huh. That's awesome. Australia is so great for many reasons. Um, it's where I had my first flat white. So I will always oh, raise yeah. my flag for Australia. Got Funny. spoiled there. That is like right here. That's, right. Nice. That's awesome. So, um, okay, COVID, it's been a while. It's been over a year. And I would love you guys to share what's it been like for you? Things that you expected and maybe something you didn't expect. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I can go first. Yeah. I. Obviously, this entire COVID season was unexpected. Uh, we actually planted a church in COVID. So we moved to Vancouver with friends and started gathering a launch team uh, in preparation for 20 weeks of training going into September 2020 launch. And then COVID happened that April. And so we did all our training online. We launched the church online. The church has never gathered in person all together. Um, and so that was very, very unexpected. Uh, another thing that was unexpected was just how vibrant it would be and how quickly it would grow and how many cool things God would do. Um, and I have a couple stories. Like I think the general sense of COVID is one of a bit of a languishing. I've heard that word a lot. And there is deep grief in my heart over this season and what it's done for people and even for the church. Uh, but at the same time, there is a sense of thriving and I'm so excited and energized by what God is doing and how unlimited God is by these restrictions and a pandemic. So, I mean, I'll stop there. I've got, there's a couple more things that I could share, but Alita, what do you think? <laughs> um, yeah, I think COVID for me, this season has been, I think two things stand out. This is personal, doesn't have to do with the church so much, but um, one was, I will never forget having all of my kids home and having to homeschool them. That was so hard. I was actually looking forward to it at first. And I, I think it was probably two days in, I was like, oh no, <laughs> this is not good for them or for me. Um, but we got through it. And I think our it's been fun to see our family um, because you can't do anything or go anywhere really um, just kind of embrace being together in new ways. So that's been fun. 
um, and difficult for, you know, all mm -hmm. the reasons you can imagine a family of six in a small house. And then um, the other thing that's been tough has my parents live in Colorado. So I haven't seen any of my family for um, over a year and I miss them terribly. And we're constantly plotting ways to see one another and then the rules change. <laughs> so that's been hard, but like Chris, I, there are so many things like just, I uh, was talking with our small group the other night. We're trying to decide if we should call them perks. I don't think that's the right word, but just like these little, you know, bonus moments that you get that you're not looking for in the middle of COVID where it's like, oh, that was a good moment. And it, it happened actually because we're in this season. I, I would share some, but they're, they involve other people that I won't really, <laughs> I won't mention them, but it's been hard, but beautiful. And Chris, do you want to share one thing that I, I think you should mention is about a surprise that we weren't looking for at the way that's just recently happened? Yeah, I mean, we uh, our heart was always to plant a life-giving church that would plant churches and also serve and support other churches. So last summer, a church called Sutherland um, that had no staff, um, congregation of about 50, they needed help with COVID and figuring it all out. And so they reached out and we were able to support them with teaching and then with some leadership at the board level, they have all lay elders. Um, and it then it led to them asking us to adopt them. So uh, during COVID, we have partnered with this church we're adopting them. They voted, it was 96% in approval and they're giving us their building and they're not just giving us their building they're coming into what God's been doing. And so we're actually starting, it's almost like planting two churches in one year during COVID because we're doing uh, retraining. So instead of 20 weeks of training, we did for our launch team, we're doing 10 weeks of training to relaunch ministry uh, in another part of the city uh, in this older building, which is something that was in our heart and part of our vision, but we did not think would happen in the first year. And here's another amazing thing that happened while preparing training for this new site, we looked back over a year ago at one of our first trainings on Zoom. And there was moments in the training where you'd see all the boxes of all the people and, and we scrubbed through it. And we were shocked because not a single one of those people is gone. Every one of those people are still serving and still invested. And if you read church planning literature about launch teams, you know that's not, that doesn't happen. And maybe that's another perk of COVID or yeah. it's something I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. So that was another unexpected surprise that yeah. just happened last week, actually. Yeah. Wow. So you, Vanessa, as a church planter, anything you want to add to that? Um, it's, it's stunning to hear and so encouraging. Mm -hmm. I'm over here in, in the other side of Canada in Quebec uh, but I love that. And we too, we've planted both locally and, um, um, some multi, you know, campus model on the Gold Coast and a few church plants um, into Chicago and Bali, Indonesia. And we had a team ready for Prague, Czechoslovakia, but we didn't have the online world that we have now. Like this was, you know, a decade ago. And, um, and but I, we also have, I love the word adopted, but we have transitioned buildings and churches into um, our model in the past too and it can feel like you've got to do two different things but 
again, I think the beauty of what God's doing amongst that story is it doesn't feel too different, right? Like it sounds like in a way there's just that beautiful, we're all in this together. And I, I don't know, I'm sensing across the kingdom, we're all relaunching, whether you've been in ministry yes. for, you know, 100 years, 50 years, have buildings. It's like we're all in a way, we're back to the same level of can we just, humbly ask god what actually are you doing and how do you want us to do it so mm -hmm. yeah so good boy it just senses i love bonus moment i think i'm gonna adopt that as my new phrase this is a bonus mm -hmm. moment a bonus covid moment and i think the fluidity of the holy spirit like just moving in and among and then opening up new doors rather than like stop this start that covid had to stop mm -hmm. this and start this it's like no it keeps going but in a different way so i think the strategies are totally changing and i love that it seems like a new season in so many ways vanessa like relaunching of so many things i know at gather we feel like we're in a bit of a relaunch last year we just felt to pivot a little bit into an area i never thought we'd go which was really challenging um the inequity um that is really a blind spot for so many of us and as we know blind spots can be fatal actually and we just mm -hmm. think if we ignored it, it'll either go away or 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 but really one of the blind spots is this whole idea that we have a significant demographic in the church that is largely un uh what is that word un not unmotivated but uncalled what is that word we're unleveraged <laughs> underutilized <laughs> underutilized and underrepresented and i'm excited that chris and alita you have come together for this purpose of writing this gorgeous manuscript called the whole church which i've read and i'm just um, a huge fan but that is just a really shallow expression of my celebration of it that is coming out of a canadian church alita yes i know um, being from the States, but that you're crafting this for this time. And it's going to be a testament to the, to the Canadian church of a way that we can think about flourishing, you know, men and women together. So I just want to celebrate the fact that you have done this, that you've done it together. And I wanted to read the forward by Daryl Johnson, who we know and love in this nation as such a great wise and discerning and, um, Credible voice. So this is what he says. The arguments for and against women in various ministry positions demand care and patience with complexity. The emotions in the debates run deep, at times morphing into words and actions, contrary to the whole of the gospel, in which we all, on both sides, seek to live our lives. At time, one thinks, yes, that is exactly what God is saying in his word. And then at other times, Maybe I'm just imposing my own personal agenda or the particular conviction of the culture at the present moment. So my question is, what is the wrestling in each of you that was something you couldn't ignore and led you to the conversation that led to the creation of this book? Because it's complex and it's not this or that, it's both and. would love to hear the genesis of that moment. Chris, do you want to start? Um, yeah, sure. Uh, for me, as I describe in the introduction, I was kind of living in a soft complementarian space for a long time, and everyone in my circle was also there. So a lot of the young men, 
that I'd come into ministry with and was inspired by, we all thought the same way. And so unintentionally, we created a pretty solid echo chamber. But then uh, as I got into life and ministry and met remarkable women leaders and pastors, um, I was a lead pastor at 27. And so I got to hire people. And so I hired someone named Michelle and quickly recognized that in so many ways, she was a better leader than, than I was. And, uh, you know, she was preaching and teaching. And um, so it was experience, but it was, it was more than that. It was going back to certain scriptures uh, that I'd read one way and recognizing and realizing that actually they could be read a different way. And in, in, in I think most cases in a better way. Uh, and that allowed for more freedom in the body of Christ for female leaders to emerge and use their giftedness so that everyone can benefit. And so, I don't know, I don't think it's ever as simple as, well, I just read the text and studied it and I looked at the Greek and therefore I, and I decided. It's always more, there's always more going on. It's this weird blend of tribe and experience and textual considerations and who you're reading and what phase of life you're in. And so it was, I don't even know how to parse all of that. I just know it's never as simple as, well, I just read it and it was clear. Uh, it was all of those things working together uh, for me. And then when I left the church, I was co-leading it with uh, Michelle, who was an older woman, amazing. Uh, and I left and she was kind of stewarding it as they looked for a new lead pastor. And, and then there became this issue around whether or not she would be the lead pastor. Should that happen? She got hurt in the process. I was being pulled in, even though I was planting the church in Vancouver, I was frustrated. And so to be honest, some of the book came out of that. So I dedicate it to Michelle. Um, so some of it came out of that as well. Hmm. Um, well, for me, I grew up, as I already mentioned, in Texas and the deep south is, uh, I think, still to this day, primarily complementarian churches. Like that's just, that's the vibe you get down there. And um, I, I grew up in a really healthy setting. I never questioned it. I never, I never thought it was wrong and still don't to a certain extent. And I'll explain that later, but moving here and being exposed, like so much of what Chris was saying, your environment changes, the churches that you're around change. And there's the, I think part of it for me was this question of, okay, I feel called into ministry as a female. And I think that most people that I knew, even down South would be okay with, um, oh, sure, you can teach a, a Bible study. You can teach um, a Wednesday morning class, a Wednesday night class, a anything but Sunday morning. <laughs> Don't touch Sunday mornings. And, um, you know, I didn't really have an issue with that. I didn't take issue with that. So to be, you know, perfectly honest, the book was Chris's baby to begin with. And then when I met him and we started talking and, but originally, I don't know if it's okay for me to say this, Chris, <laughs> originally it was just gonna be a booklet, right? Like it was just gonna be a smaller, like a little thing that we were gonna give to our church members. Right. And then it morphed and it became this bigger thing. And then what happened for me, and I was such a gift to me to go, okay, I actually need to decide why I believe what I believe 
and uh, why it's okay for me to do what I'm doing besides just the fact that I think it's okay, that I feel like I feel anointed or whatever word or happy or whatever word we're going to use there. What, what does scripture have to say about it? What does church history have to say about it? Um, and of course, like Chris said, it's not as easy as just saying, well, this is what the Bible says, and this is just how easy it is. And this is what the original Hebrew said and the original great, you know, you can't, because you get really smart people on both sides of the conversation who can convince, you know, one day I would read one commentary and I would call Chris and say, oh my goodness, you know, and then he would, we, we would talk through it. And then, um, so the book for me became this, I was able at the end of it to say, this is the research. This is what I believe. This is why I believe it. Um, and have actual footing, if that makes sense, to have some sound um, footing on, on or sound, I don't know, just to, to have a sound argument for what it was. Um, and I don't even like the word argument, but just to have a sound basis for what it was that I believed, what I had always felt, um, the things I had questions about, the things that had, you know, the question that I mentioned earlier about why would it be okay to do this, this, and this, but not this on a Sunday morning? What is the reason for that? What does the Bible say? And so when Chris invited me into the process, it became such a gift and um, it was really fun too, to be able to land on this side of it. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's complicated, right? I think that word nuanced comes in and whatever made you um, do the work it doesn't matter all that has been written. It matters what you believe about all that's been written. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to clarify because I know there's still some confusion among, you know, you talk about those two sides, complementarian and mm -hmm. egalitarian. What would be the, the big difference between those two? Yeah, I mean, there is different varieties and shades of both camps, uh, which is why it can be hard to just demarcate them you know, really clearly, but I would say uh, generally complementarians that I meet still would hold that all ministry positions are open to qualified women, except for the position of elder, overseer, sometimes pastor. Mm -hmm. um, and that authoritative teaching on a Sunday should be done by a qualified called uh, male. Uh, and then egalitarian, <laughs> the egalitarian perspective would be like, no, 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 uh, men and women should lead together and that gender, it's about competency, it's about calling, it's about character, and gender should have no play in whether or not uh, a woman leads or preaches or whatnot. Mm -hmm. So that's how I demarcate the two into broad camps. Right. Um, yeah. So the first is based on gender and the second is based on gifting, right? Yeah, that's sort a nice of, way to, yeah. that's a, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. So we've called this podcast, Can, Can Women Lead? And a question to all of you, including Vanessa, is, are you shocked that we're even asking this question in 2021? And what do you see in your world that backs up the fact that this question is still necessary in the evangelical church? I mean, I, I think that the, the phrase, like, I like the phrasing of the can women lead, it's provocative. I almost wonder if it should be should women lead, because can women lead implies ability, 
and should almost implies opportunity. And most complementarians I meet, uh, even in our city, go, of course a woman can lead. In fact, there's a lot of women I know who are a better leader than me. Their issue is, should a woman lead in this sphere in the church? And in that sense, I'm not surprised we're still having this conversation because of certain texts in the New Testament that we're debating about. I do think it's shocking to the culture, uh, but I think there's a lot of things we believe that are shocking to the culture. So what shocks the culture is not gonna be my criteria for, for anything, truth or falsehood. But I do think it's, it is sad to me. So this is me speaking personally. It's a deep, there's a deep grieving in my heart that someone like the apostle Paul, who I think is a liberator of women and an empowerer of women. You just read the end of Romans 16, see how many women he esteemed and partnered with in ministry that people are choosing to read him in such a way that he becomes a restrictor of women, where you'll run into women who are godly and who would, especially in a moment of like angst, go, I really don't like Paul. You know, I really want to stay away from Paul. That to me is a real tragedy. It's also a tragedy to me that, um, that there's complementarian uh, brothers in particular out there where there's there's different readings and even better readings of some of these scriptures and yet they still don't err on the side of freedom but they err on the side of restriction uh and that's a deep grief uh in my heart as well and you know kevin de young just came out with a book men and women in the church chairman uh, of gospel coalition and you know he's got some good arguments and then there's arguments there that are just silly and I'm like, when smart, smart people say silly, silly things, there's more going on. And so I'm like, that is a deep grief in my heart, uh, that there's arguments still being trotted out in recent publications by men of that stature that are weak and there's holes. And for me, it just feels like a, a, a feedback loop that's not healthy and not fair. So... That was me just, anyways, I'm done. No, it's good because your personal, you know, view is important. I mean, you, you are positioned pastorally and as a leader. And so we listen and yeah, thank I'm you sorry, for that. I, I don't know if you name drop. I didn't mean to call <laughs> no. out the chairman of the gospel coalition on no. your podcast. <laughs> no. I was just, I was listening to uh, something online, Matt Chandler was sitting with Jen Wilkin and they were talking about this changes in their church that they're still complementarian, but they've opened up the door to women slightly, but they're somewhere on that continuum, but still clearly we're complementarian. And it, it always seems this fear of like, we don't want people to think badly of us. And I know representing Gather, it's been the same where, you know, we've been fairly, um, we've been allowing freedom to women. We've, we've encouraged them to explore, you know, functioning in their gifting, but we've never said from the platform really what we believe about that because there's so much fear out there about saying the wrong thing at the wrong time. And now I have moved past that. So personally, what I champion and what I lead needs to kind of be modeled in the organization. And I think mm -hmm. what you've said 
about those passages, the fear of women to take those passages based their total belief on and then live out of fear, but also live out of the fear that they would not be obedient to God, mm -hmm. you know, because of mm -hmm. Paul's words. So I would love to hear Vanessa and then Alita, your thoughts on can, can she lead in this day and age coming out of the culture that you were before you came to Canada? Mm. First of all, Chris, like it is actually quite breathtaking to be able to even see you and hear your heart and the passion of it is um is is stunning so thank you for that and um when you made a comment uh at one point I was thinking the extra word I notice in this context that really my eyes are opened to the limitations because I didn't come from a culture where there were them until I'm learning now even like the limitations may be everywhere but right I still think that was around for sure in my world a bit too but it, I often think are you actually saying can women lead or should women lead or are you answering a question can they lead you like can they lead me like to a man right so you know, let's just for a second, the conversation, for example, around, um, uh, you know, gender, sexuality, when people come up to me and say, what do I believe? I say to often to them, I'll say, um, is this a private conversation that's to do with you? Or is this a public, you know, mm -hmm. like you want to know? And so that's how I feel about this conversation is, even when we talk theory and language and who's what, I try to the best of my ability and say, can they lead you? Like, would you, like for you personally, what does that do in you? Not just theologically, but emotionally, what does it trigger? I mean, my background's counseling. So how does that make you feel? You know, like right. that kind of, because I think those conversations are where you just also realize history, biases, experiences, um, some of the maternal strength which is amazing but has actually also put so many men down like you know and so that mm. then you get into these personal conversations when a man's not sure about it and you can actually personalize some of these because of their own experiences but it doesn't justify why they are where they are right so mm -hmm. so to add to to Kathy's point who knows me I didn't have any of the organizational ceilings it was like basically like the right person for the job got the job you know where I in my culture then I married someone that pretty much like 70% of our leadership team is females like in both churches that we're in right now and um Andrew's more like where are the men <laughs> you know so um so but at the same time so I haven't had to think so honestly it's been Kathy that has been educating me on what this feels like what this looks like and so mm -hmm. I'm just here honestly today to learn your book your book was insightful for me because it's not what I ever had to wrestle out in the scriptures but much to um you know really a leader's point I I nearly am like I need to do this because I haven't had to do this mm -hmm. now I want to do this because I've not even studied it until really this last year or so, to be honest. And I still don't have the limitations myself, but I want to 
I want to lead in this space and make room for people, but I also want to see men free in this space too. So mm-hmm. yeah. the other part of the equation. So Lita, before we actually get into like what's in the book, um, but I want to hear from you, like, are you shocked yourself that this is still a thing, it's still a conversation, a question? And also what surprises you or shocks you about where you find yourself right now, like leading in this space? Mm. I am not surprised that this is still a conversation that we're having. Again, I think it's because of how I was raised or uh, not how, where, where I was raised. Um, Culturally, I mean, before we moved here nine years ago, my world was, I, I, I knew no female, I knew them on, you know, TV. Um, I knew them on, I don't even, was Instagram a thing nine years ago? I don't even remember, but you know, (laughs) Facebook was, there were popular um, speakers and teachers, but in the, in the local church, I had no example for that. Um, And and so I'm sure if I'd really thought about it, I knew it could be done, but going back down there, when we're down there, it's the same. And it's nine years later. And so I think it would take, please hear my heart on this. That is people that I love, pastors that I love um, are down there. And I think leading, I'm just so reminded that the way the Lord often works is slowly and he, it takes some cultures a while. It makes us to, to shift slowly. So I have no doubt that God is doing things under the surface Um, so this is not me bashing (laughs) my Southern roots. It's just the way that I was raised. And, and Mm -hmm. so I'm not at all surprised that it's still a conversation because you take somebody, a female, not a male, a female out of the South, you pluck her and you put her on the West coast over here. Um, they would be shocked at how much freedom there is. They would, I would, I'm not going to use the word offended, but I think that they would really wrestle with the lead female pastor. So it's, it's not just men. It's also women down there who, who, and I have many of these friends. I've been in this conversation so many times who I have very good friends who are absolutely fine with women leading in any sphere, except for that authority level lead pastor. Uh, And, and when you ask why, to do the, you know, like Vanessa said, why, why, why would you feel that way? Honest question. It's a good question. And the answer almost always, in fact, I can't think of one of my friends who hasn't answered with this question. They've all said, I don't know. Like, I just don't know. It just, it just doesn't sit right with me. Like it should be a guy doing leading a female can guest speak even, but just the actual leading the pastoring. So, um, I, appreciate that it is still that it is a conversation and i i appreciate also that it's going to move slowly in different parts of the world um just because of how we are culturally and Mm -hmm. so it's an important conversation to keep on having and i think we also like i find myself having to have an immense amount of patience and grace and not like it's just not going to work for us to just shove our ways our way in. It's just going to push the argument back. You know, we'll take one step forward, it'll push us back 20 steps. So approaching it with love and grace down there. Um, and I don't think it's just the South. I think it, it's 
far reaching in the US more than we think it is. And because of our proximity in Canada to the US and how much we look to them for certain things, um, mm -hmm. it can inevitably impact the way we do things here. So do you think, go ahead. am I allowed to ask a question? Absolutely. Kathy. Absolutely. So factually, and maybe even strategically, I think you're right. It's going to take time for a shift to happen, especially in those places you're talking about. Um, and it's easy for me to be patient as a man. Uh, but what's the counsel? Like, what's the sense of even what you just said right there, which I think is factually the case? What is that doing in the hearts of, of women who feel called to to ministry and how do you even as as a ministry like gathers help women in particular navigate that very tension because i could imagine like even what alita said there challenging you know and so i'm just curious about and i don't really know what the answer is i think alita's navigated it with amazing grace and patience uh but it's a hard it feels like a hard word as well like a hard counsel mm -hmm. um I'm just wondering what what your thoughts the are. Question for me or for I, I don't. I just really. I'm asking it to everyone because it's a it's a struggle that I have in in my heart, because I go, you're probably right, but I don't feel I can say that to a a woman who's been hurt by men not seeing her gifting, not giving opportunity, not you know pushing up against the limitation. Uh, it's like the council of patience could feel like salt in the wound if the wound is raw and open. Um, so I was just curious about people's thoughts. Well, I'll say speaking from experience, I'm going to reiterate again that down there, I'm not going to, I'm not going to paint the whole, you know, Southern U.S. with one paintbrush, <laughs> right? But I have lived, I've traveled a lot down there been to a lot of churches. My dad's a pastor, traveled a lot. And I would say almost overwhelmingly, and this is with zero data in front of me. So don't, don't necessarily take this as this is, you know, like, you know, I haven't done research, but I would, I would say the overwhelming feeling I get is that this is not just um, a man thing. This is men and women down there just as much as men would have a hard time with a female lead pastor. So mm. would women. So it's not like, you know what we need to do? We just need to go down there with some females and show them how it's done and plant some churches. I, I don't see that working. I see females being just as like, what is going on? Not all, but I think, again, I think a lot would be like, what, what is happening? I'm not saying that's a bad solution. There are a lot of, um, uh, like Vanessa and her husband, co-pastors who co-lead together. I think that that for whatever reason, um, is way less threatening to hmm. church members and also beautiful. I love seeing husband and wives co-lead together. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think patience from our person, because we're, we're outside of that realm going, oh, how, how are they doing that? Why, you know, don't they know they can mm -hmm. be free or that there's this opportunity? Um, I think that the it's just, again, like this slow, I think I have, again, no doubt the Lord is, is moving things in just the right way. And at the right time, right. however, 
Um, there are opportunities for females if they go, I feel called to lead and there's nowhere down here. I mean, you can move, you can go to the places where they are. And I don't mean that like, you know what, you, and that, but you, you can go to places where you can get trained. You can go to schools where they will teach you and you can do internships in um, California and you know where you can move to Hillsong and do these internships you can come to the way and do an internship <laughs> um, you know you can go you can go surround yourself with places but mm -hmm. then my story to answer your question Kathy why am I shocked to be where I am is because I was that person who was like Lord I didn't have this overwhelming call into ministry I just had this moment where I thought maybe he could use me. Mm -hmm. I was in Alabama, three young kids. I'd already done college. My degree was in communication. It was not ministry oriented at all. Didn't think I was being called into ministry. I just knew I loved to study God's word. And I knew I loved to, to teach it. I was leading a Bible study at the time. And I just thought maybe you could use me. And I honestly probably thought that meant just like as a volunteer, just serving in my church, wherever they would let me serve. And so I just said yes to every next thing that the Lord opened before me and ever pushed or prodded or said, you know what, I need a place to teach. It was just doors were just opened and the Lord did move us here and, and continued to open doors. And again, without me having to like bang my way in. So he's been really faithful to do that. And I'm surprised we, my husband and I often talk about if we, you know, lived in Alabama. Oh, the cost of living would be so much cheaper. Oh, you know, we could have, you know, 40 acres. We're here, you know, just whatever. My husband's a builder. So we talk about that kind of stuff. Um, we could afford milk, you know, those sorts of things. And, and then we always laugh though, because we know I would 0% chance I'd be doing anything there that I'm doing here. So. So good. You know what I love about giving this time and space to your story is because we do have women, a lot of women, I think the majority of women who the, the mental barriers, you know, the opposition to their voice is themselves. And so you're telling the story of a woman who has found her voice over time and knows what that journey is like. And I think that's such an authentic and genuine experience that we can all relate to. You know, there are a group of women who are more assertive and they know they've been given a gift. And so they're going to go find the opportunities and ask for them and knock on those doors and try and push up that glass ceiling. But that is not the norm. And so I just really appreciate you sharing. This is what my journey has been like. Mm -hmm. If you ask Chris, like what we do maybe at gather um to try to kind of move the story along a little bit faster i think it's just we have to lead the way like we have to be the change we want to see so mm -hmm. we create opportunities for as many women as we can and we don't tell them what to decide but i always say like as a coach and vanessa you probably say this too like do the work why are we allowing the the theologians to be a largely you know um, male group where we can be theologians, we can get the training we need, or we just open the Bible for ourselves and study it and find out what it says. Don't let somebody else tell me what to decide about what Paul said, what Jesus actually not only said, but did to elevate 
you know, the voice and presence of women and call them out of hiding and call them daughters of Abraham. Why don't we study it? Why don't we own it? And then when the opportunities to come, whether it's a pulpit or a conference, we have done the work inside ourselves to come to our own decisions about what this means. And so, you know, to, to, to just be spectators in the story is not good enough. I think we have to engage and become, you know, seekers of the truth and, and, you know, find ourselves, you know, studiers of the word. And because we are the biggest obstacle to ourselves, I've always said it's the triangle, like the women have to do the work, which is why we try it gather like we've got half the church, right? This is on our watch. Let's, let's offer the opportunities to do that work. We don't want to tell you what to believe. It's more important that you do the work because the Holy Spirit will guide you. And then the men have some, you know, there's some stuff to do there for the guys, right? Like, do they need to open doors more? Do they need to invite women more into the middle of decision-making or church planting or giving them more opportunities? And then there's the church as a whole, as a system, you know? And Jesus never really just bowed down to systems, right? He just led the way, did the thing. And we can read, you know, at the end of the end of the day, it's about him. It's about Paul, but it's about Jesus. So I, yeah, I think we can lead the way you are leading the way at the church at the way church leading the way at the way, and you've decided to take action. So Chris, as a, as a male, you've decided to step it right into the middle of this conversation and create something which takes blood, sweat, and tears and time to say, this is, this is a messaging on this subject that we feel is valuable enough, not for art, just for our church at the way, but for the Canadian church. So I just want to applaud you for that. and want to say well done for that, uh, because we want to access some of that um, wisdom for gathered voices, which we are equipping the female church to use her voice in this nation. And we just think it's just a beautiful piece of truth and also artistic work. And what I love most about it is that you've kind of created a path sort of through the middle of egalitarian and complementary. And you've sort of said, okay, maybe we don't need those two opposite ends of the conversation. Maybe here's a path in the middle. Maybe here's a new way to think. And you've taken the whole biblical story of God, like from Genesis to Revelation, and sort of made a new path, a third way through it. Do you want to speak to that, how you came to, how you actually created, crafted the contents of this book? Um, sure. I loved what you just said there, by the way, uh, about what you do. And uh, I'd love to talk more about that at another time. Uh, but yeah, the, um, yeah, the middle path, I don't know. I don't know. I love it described that way. Um, I don't know if it is or not. I do know it, it feels like that because Alita and I have deep affection in our hearts for people who disagree with us. So there's pastors we love doing great works who are going to rip into this book. And we wrote it with their faces in front of us. And knowing that even with the critique and the pushback, it won't diminish our love and affection for them and our belief 
that God is doing a good work in and through their lives. Um, And so there was this, I guess it's the principle of charity. It's like we wrote it with people we love in mind who disagree with us. So that's maybe why I hope it it doesn't feel very angsty and it it feels like a a middle way. Um, But the exegesis does all land on one side of things where it's more egalitarian in the sense it's about calling and character and competency and all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. So we just trace it from all the way the garden, the image of God, uh, co-rulers of creation, men and women, uh, equals, uh, equally called, equally gifted, equally destined to be priests over creation. We note that it's only after the fall and after sin entering the world that there becomes this sense of patriarchy or a male-dominated type of society. And then all throughout the story, uh, God is at work in the margins, and he is still raising up remarkable women throughout the narrative of the Old Testament, not as often as we would like as modern people, but, you know, God's still blessing, empowering, anointing women like Deborah and Hilda and, and others that we all know about in, in scripture. Um, and then when Jesus comes on the scene, he is constantly, like you just said so eloquently, uh, empowering women, embracing women. He has women disciples. He has women sit at his feet to learn the idea of being in that day that a rabbi gives his yoke to his disciples and their responsibility then is to share it and pass it on and teach it to others. And so you have Mary sitting at his feet, at the rabbi's feet uh, in a place traditionally reserved for men. Jesus blesses it and says, it won't be taken from him. Uh, You have women as the first apostles to the apostles, the first one to proclaim the good news of the resurrection of Jesus. And so you think about the resurrection of Jesus, it's at the center of the Christian faith. Apart from it, there's no New Testament. There's no church. There's just another failed Messiah. And there was plenty of those. But the resurrection is the start of new creation, the start of all of it. And right at the center of that story is a woman whose testimony wouldn't be believed in that day, but Jesus kind of you know, takes on the chauvinism of the day and says, no, you're going to proclaim this to the disciples. And so all throughout the story, we trace it. And then Paul himself, his attitude and esteem for women and their work with him is so apparent all throughout his letters. And so I think it's a great tragedy then to take all of that data and then bottle it up with a few scriptures. Uh, In 1 Timothy chapter 2, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, that could be read in different ways, which we do in the, in the book. And so that's kind of what we, we do. Um, and hopefully uh, it challenges people to revisit texts, rethink their positions. And it, hopefully it's an encouragement to women who feel called uh, to ministry and I can't bind up wounds, um, sadly, but I ho- hopefully it afflicts no new ones. Wow, there's a statement right there. Mm-hmm. I, I love it. And it makes so much sense, you know, the contextualization of one piece of scripture in, in a context with, you know, real dates and times, but then backing up that camera lens and seeing the bigger picture and bigger picture and saying, wait a minute, this started in the garden, you know, the image mm-hmm. bearer. And wait a minute, it continues. Like, I love your tracing of it. And then it's going to end this way. And so Alita, I would love your um 
kind of the last as we get to the close your your input into how this process was for you and why you both came up with this beautiful model uh yeah as i mentioned before i think that this process for me was um a really great um forced me to sort of land on why i believed what i believed and um and also personally just really breathed i remember the first read through when it was sort of all done i think i messaged chris and said well even if it doesn't bless and encourage anybody else it blessed and encouraged me as a female to feel like oh man the lord really does endorse me to do what i'm doing and i'm not outside of i don't i don't ever want to do anything outside of you know i want to be scripturally sound and this the book at the end of it all really helped me to go okay I am. I'm walking the right way. Um, but the process uh, was, you know, like any book, it was hard. <laughs> lots of research, um, lots of late nights, early mornings writing, but um, seeing the overarching story, I think using the examples of women, um, one person, one female that really stuck out to me. Um, and it's just such a simple one, but was Phoebe. And I, I just, these little, these little stories that as we began to write and research have stayed with me. And that's my hope for the book as well, that women who read this will see not just the Genesis account, um, that we were all created to be co-heirs and what a beautiful picture that is. And that everything that happened after that was just, wasn't God's prescription. It was the description of what was happening. Um, and then how even so as Krista said he raised up over and over and over again these females throughout um scripture and then we went on from there in the book to just talk about just throughout history not I mean outside of scripture just the history of women that over and over again the um revival is often um, brought about and, and women are at the forefront of that. It's when women are being brought up into leadership and their men and women are leading together, which I think has clues for us, even for such a time as this, when we're beginning to see more women rising up, it's like, Oh Lord, are you about to do something? So, yeah. That's awesome. We may have to do a, a part two of this podcast. Cause I know Chris, even in your intro, you talk about Anne Graham lots having, you know, male pastors turn their chairs on her and Beth Moore sort of leaving the Southern Baptist convention. And I think we may think those are one-offs, but you know, it's more the norm than, than the exception. But what I see happening now is that, you know, it's always been so important to God that there's equity and justice, um, and he loves us. He loves all of us. But now seems to be a really unique time. And what I love, too, is that you have done this now. And when we look back, I mean, the Bible as scripture is complete, nothing to add to it. But the stories continue, like the story of God involved in, in our response, that somebody will read about this, that in Canada at this time, you know, Chris and Alita got together and they were church planting the way and they wrote this amazing thing. It just becomes embedded in the fabric of our history as a Canadian church, but also in the fabric of what God is doing. And so I just want to, again, like um, acknowledge that 
this is exists it's once you publish it it's out there for the universe and it just adds to i think um the message of god in our world and that um it's something else to help us educate ourselves on what scripture actually says you know for all these years you know we believed certain things without actually going to scripture so the research probably just nearly killed you but the research you know is what gives it credibility and validity and so I just want to honor you both for that for creating that for us and uh, we are so privileged to be able to use it as part of our curriculum for gathered voices can't wait for everyone to read it I would love for you both to give us a closing thought and actually I'm going to invite Vanessa into that something that um would be an encouragement to any female leader listening, whether she sees herself as a leader or not. This is a big word for females. Sometimes we can't get our head around it, that God is calling them to perhaps choose something, but they're still looking for permission, perhaps. Maybe just a final word of commission, uh, permission, maybe Chris and then Alita and then Vanessa will end with you. Um, I maybe I would say the permission that matters most is the permission of the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. and so listen to him and stay in sync with the spirit um, and believe that God has so shaped and fashioned you for such a time as this and he hasn't given you a voice so that it can be muffled mm -hmm. but so that it can be released and so that it can unlock hope and joy and life in others. And just step into that and look for people of peace. To men, I would say this isn't about, this has never been about women ruling men or men ruling women. Mm -hmm. It's about leading and serving together as co-heirs. And so let's not be threatened or scared. Uh, when she flourishes, the whole church flourishes. Why wouldn't we want that? Awesome. Um, yeah, I would absolutely echo what Chris said, um, that the voice of the Holy Spirit, let his voice be the loudest. I would say, I think it's, we're going to all face critics as women in the church. And I would just encourage you not to let critics cripple your calling. Um, to go deep with the Lord, don't go wide. Um, you know, like let him determine your reach. You just keep going deep with him. Um, and to, um, yeah, spending time with him is, I would say, I, I, people will probably get tired of me saying it, but I, it's so formative, those times together with the Lord every day because it's, that's where we learn to hear his voice. That's where we learn how to follow him. And so my biggest encouragement would be don't give up that time with the Lord. That's where you'll learn, you'll learn to discern actually what he's calling you to do, whether it's leadership or not, either way, whatever he's calling you to do, that's where you'll find out is in spending time with him every day. So brilliant, brilliant. Vanessa, how about you? Just to add another layer to that, I actually want to go back to you. You corrected yourself and said permission and commission, and then you said permission. 
I just have such a sense as people are going to engage in this moment, this actual Mm. moment, listening to Chris, listening to Alita, the voice of the spirit through them. This is actually your commissioning. For some people right now, this is your commissioning. This is your, the great commission is actually being revealed to you right now. And as the Holy Spirit already, I can sense there's going to be some people that are already trying to argue themselves out of the cost of following Jesus to the places where he's asking you to be sent. And I would just say, keep, keep following Jesus, like Alita said, keep listening to Holy Spirit, being empowered by Holy Spirit, and ultimately um, continue to be commissioned to every single place that Jesus is asking you to go. And because on the other side of your yes is people's eternity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So good. I feel like we've just made a huge deposit um, into the nation, into the soil um, of the church, not only in Canada, but everywhere. So thank you so much. I would love to hear about your book. What's the timeline for when it's going to be available? How can we find out about it? It's going to be available in June, though there's not a for sure release date on that. Uh, But we know in the month of June, they'll be on Amazon. You'll see it mentioned on the Way Insta account. I don't know, do we have a bigger marketing plan than that? There's a lot going on and this is one of a few things. So there's other people involved in the marketing, so. Yeah, that's right. We we defer to them. (laughs) Well, we can't wait and we'll put this in the show notes as well. And we'll put links to the way church and people can find you easily. And you've just, like I said, made a huge deposit, not only in the soil of this nation, but in my life today, I'm just so glad to know that you are existing alive in this moment. I'm really excited for you, for what you're doing there and just uh, pray that God continues to bless you as you church plant and then church plant again in this crazy time. And that we can all really try and capture those bonus moments and share them with each other. Cause God is really just amazing. Isn't he like just doing crazy stuff um, mm-hmm. in the worst possible of times, but it becomes the best possible time to live. Mm-hmm. So just thank you both. Thank you, Alita. Thank you, Chris. And thank you, Vanessa for co-hosting with me today. We'll talk soon. Bye. We trust that this conversation you were just a part of today on our podcast would really empower you in your sphere of influence to continue to strengthen your gorgeous, brilliant, phenomenal, feminine voice and strength that you have to offer your spheres of influence. We are so excited about launching gather voices coaching cohort for summer all the way through to the rest of 2021 to really continue to coach and champion the female voice in the church and across our nation of Canada. Why don't you consider jumping on our wait list, looking at the information, praying into whether this is your time to take the next step and really continue to grow with your revelation that you, beautiful woman of God, have an opportunity to use your voice for the sake of the kingdom in new ways, in new arenas, 
maybe for the first time, or maybe it's whole new levels of influence that you are believing God is entrusting you with in this season. Seriously, girls, revival will only happen when the female church awakens to usher in humanity's welcome home with your voice and your presence. So why don't you look at stepping into, investing into this space called Gather Voices with us for a six-month journey. Phenomenal guest uh, coaches are coming on, guest equippers. You're going to meet incredible girls across our nation online from wherever you are so that all different parts of this nation can be impacted with your voice. Consider joining us. Jump on to gatherwomen.com and have a look at all that is coming up in this movement that serves you and the call of God in your life.